Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Hi, and welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. I'm Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Stahl. Two attorneys here with Pasha Law, offices in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. And welcome to the podcast for a little short break we had between our last episode. And this is where we discuss current business news with a legal twist. And today we are talking about how developers, especially mobile app developers and other business owners in that space, can deal with possible liability for their software apps and their products. And in this case, there's a sad story of a Apple app that actually caused, well, is alleged to have caused a deadly accident. Yeah, so let's do a little little bit of the background here on you know, how we how we first start discussing this but so the there was a car accident back on actually on Christmas Eve in 2014 in Texas the reason this is just kind of surfacing now is they they just fought the lawsuit here two years I assume that's the statute of limitations they had to get that in in time but there was a, a car accident with a driver a 20 year old he was on his way to visit family on Christmas Eve he was for whatever reason, using FaceTime while driving. For those of you who aren't Apple or iPhone users, FaceTime is basically a video call. You're able to see the other person and vice versa when you're, you're doing a phone call, kind of like Skype, I suppose. He's driving on the highway and you know wasn't necessarily paying full attention, crashed into the car of this family. And you kind of alluded to this. The, the sad story behind this is it resulted in the death of their the family's five-year-old daughter who was in the back seat. There was actually four people in the car, the parents and the two kids. I believe all were injured, or at least, yeah, I believe all the other three were injured. And then, uh, of course, the unfortunate death of the, the five-year-old. So that's kind of the, the backstory of, of what happened here. And so what happened has happened since. The family is now suing Apple, essentially alleging that the, the Apple is negligent and not having any sort of safeguards that would restrict the use of FaceTime while driving. Now, when I first heard that statement, I thought, well, I don't really know about that. But the interesting thing about this is Apple actually had, as early as 2008, when they filed for this patent, had developed this technology that would, they call it kind of lockout technology. It would basically lock out the driver from using certain apps while operating the vehicle, which now with that knowledge, I didn't know if that was something you had come across or you knew about, but when I found that out, I was like, oh, well, that makes this case a lot more interesting. But I don't, I have an inherent problem with the argument because, you know, just because you have filed a patent, you have an invention, there's, there's commercialization and this is kind of off topic, but commercialization of an invention is a lot different thing than actually inventing it in itself. Like I can invent a machine that travels through time, but because it costs a billion dollars to make, I haven't been able to actually build it yet. And so I'm looking for funding today. But point is, is that, you know, that so just because they invented it, I can still file a patent, but that doesn't mean they can actually implement the software. Like for example, and for a practical example, maybe they have the technology, but maybe the processor speed of the phone isn't fast enough to be able to quickly detect if you're moving or whatever, whatever reason. So alone by itself, you know, assuming that argument is valid, just because they have a patent doesn't mean that it's a viable option to protect the user. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, under your, with your invention, you could 
essentially just be sued for any bad thing that happens then because why didn't you just employ your time machine and could have prevented could have stopped any of these bad things so and and what's nice is that if i do get sued i can always go back in time and (laughs) prevent that from happening that's true you probably have been sued a ton and we just don't know about it that's a good point yeah I've, i've i've changed the future you make a good point in that just because they've developed they you know they filed for this this patent back in 2008 doesn't necessarily mean that you know they should have had it into the phones today and it haven't been usable. I mean, I'm not the I'm not any sort of software engineer, but it seems like it, there might be some difficulties in being able, being able to determine if somebody is operating, if somebody is driving the vehicle while using it. I mean, who's to say that it's not somebody in the passenger seat or behind them, something like that. And that gives a good example of Waze, which is, if you're not aware, I think we may have talked about it in the past because Waze and Google had some data exchange and so forth. So Waze is like a Google Maps app, but it's it's specifically designed for getting from point A to point B. So it's like the navigation aspect of Google Maps. And I think, again, we've talked about it, but one of the cool things is that it crowdsources information, so traffic, et cetera. But when you open the app, the first thing it asks you, if you're trying to go to a certain destination or you try to time something in, and asks you that, okay, if you're, are you a passenger or are you a driver? If you're a driver, then you should really shouldn't you be using this app, and you can't use this app unless you're a passenger, or you should st- have be stopped before you can use it. And so it actually has a preventative measure from actually, but it doesn't detect if you're a passenger or not, but it does detect if you're driving. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you go to a site for a brewery to try to see some information and they ask you if you're 21 or not. <laughs> Obviously not the same sort of thing d- directly, but it, along those lines, I mean, and really if, so for ex- I have a pretty good example. So with my car, when I, if I'm driving and there's certain things I am, can and can't do on my little module up front, it does give me a warning. If I try to enter directions while driving, it does pop up with a warning saying, you shouldn't be doing this. And then you just hit, you just hit okay. And I'm allowed to do it. Yeah. But there's, there's certain things that it does lock me out of. I mean, I actually probably entering directions is probably the most dangerous thing I could be doing on there. I guess other than I, I don't have TV or anything like that. So it probably is the most dangerous thing, but you know, where, and I think this is kind of in the case too. It's like, where do, where do you draw the line of that? Or, you know, how do you even know, like in this case, this this twenty year old, how how would they even have known he was driving? Just the idea of using FaceTime while driving seems a little bit questionable. It's you know, it's almost not even believable. Yeah. So let's let's go back to the lawsuit. It's kind of the implication that everyone's kind of drawing that okay, wait a minute, FaceTime. Everyone realizes that you shouldn't be using your phone and there's inherent risks, but. I just want to note that, and, and you mentioned in the in the beginning of the intro that they actually waited a couple of years before filing this. In fact, they filed on December 23rd, and this accident happened on December 24th, 2014. And you and and most likely because of the personal injury and products liability statute of limitations is two years. And I only want to note that because it could could give us indication that it's not like these guys immediately took to a lawsuit as their you know first right first reaction and 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 if you start thinking about it there is some viable argument obviously they 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 lost a child which is horrific of course and i'm sure they're willing to take the criticism that well it's your fault you're have something to do with it i mean you you were using your phone while driving 
but that's not their point. Their, their point is not that you know phones are inherently dangerous and they should have all these protections. It's that because of the technology and the nature of, of phones and because the technology was available, there should be something that I, the Apple should be able to do to prevent these accidents from occurring. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's really, like a, we were talking about earlier, that's really what it boils down to is how, where, where should the line be drawn on what Apple is responsible for here? In an example where, even in the, like the best case example of which Apple has this technology, it works flawlessly and it's you know relatively cheap for them, you know, is it, should that be something it's re, they're required to have? I mean, they can't, people are going to make their own decisions and, you know, it's not like, Technology. I'm trying to think of another example. It's like if you bought a gun and you pointed it at somebody, it, something would pop up saying, you know, there would be a lockout on it and say you can't shoot somebody. That's murder. I mean, that's a that's a bad example, but <laughs> no, but it is a bad example, but still <laughs> funny. What's interesting, though, I think what we can get out from what you just said, which was again very funny, is that there's actually already a whole area of law that is applicable to this situation. So people may think, oh, this new area of law where, where apps all of a sudden cause accidents and what's the, where, the, where you draw the line, but simply it's, it's product's liability and that's actually how they sued. And so if you think, you know, a gun is a good example, but let's, let's think of like a tool, any kind of tool, like a chainsaw. So most chainsaws have like, if you, if you it, it's designed so that, you know, you pull, you, you pull the handle and it starts going, and but if you let go, it'll stop so that you know if the, somehow the chainsaw gets loose, that's a safety feature. Or there will be a guard between your hand and the actual chain. And so these are things that are protective measures. Now, if if there wasn't a guard and and you actually you know cut yourself because of it and have some kind of dangerous accident, the result would be is that, hey, this is you know this technology of having a guard here was available. Why didn't you put it on here? And so it's the same kind of legal theory that we can analyze as it applies to this app and any other app for that matter. Yeah. And just to, to you know, kind of flesh out the rest of the rest of the lawsuit, just in general, because we're going to hit, touch on what you just discussed, but also, of course, I mean, negligence and gross negligence and things like IED and, and the like as other clients. But yeah, you, we're talking about is, you know, in this case, we have a product, this iPhone and, you know, what I think they're arguing is the, the design was inherently dangerous in, in that it allowed you know, this individual to, to use this dangerous thing while operating a vehicle when it shouldn't have. And it's, this is obviously not a clear-cut situation. Your chainsaw example makes a lot more sense, and that's something that you know, someone can probably decide on pretty easily. But in this case, I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I, I'm personally just having trouble – agreeing with that necessarily, at least yeah. I, I can get a little bit. And I think the, unfortunately, the, the death that result is probably factors into some of it, which it shouldn't, but. Yeah, any, anyone and everyone can sympathize and it, it is difficult to separate that sympathy. So if you want to look at it objectively, this is, this is how a court's going to analyze it and how they should analyze it. For a products liability case, most cases are reviewed in most states as a strict liability perspective, meaning all they have to show is that there's either design defect, manufacturing defect, or inadequate warning. Now, each of those categories requires its own kind of test. So let's just kind of go one by one really, really quickly here. 
So the, the design defect is probably what they're going for here. What they're saying is that this phone is inherently dangerous on the road. And so by design, it is inherently dangerous. And so the design itself needs to be corrected. And so that's their argument. We'll, we'll get, go back to that in a second. So a second category is this manufacturing defect. They're not necessarily saying that here. They're, they're not saying that the phone itself, that particular phone that was of issue malfunctioned because it actually did exactly what was it designed to do. Right. If the phone exploded yeah. like the Samsung edges, then that would be a manufacturing defect because they're not designed to explode, but they exploded and, and caused an accident. And then the last one, inadequate warnings. This is about whether or not the prospective danger that occurred or result or the accident, is that an obvious thing that is just obvious? Like the gun example, like they don't need to put a warning that a gun will shoot a bullet out and, and hurt something that you know gets in front of the bullet. That's obvious. But is it an unpredictable result? Like is it unpredictable that somehow when you're driving and someone calls you on FaceTime that it may distract you and you know cause an accident. That may be what they're going for too because in theory they could say, okay, well, you know, hey, there's a warning here. Be careful when you're using this on the road because there's, you know, it may not be as obvious, but, and, and so we can come back to that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, we can throw out the manufacturing defect. I don't think that's gonna come into play. The, the inadequate warning, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's better. I don't think it's perfect by any means. I, I think what they're going to have to kind of hang their hat on is the design defect aspect of it. Yeah, because most don't most people know that you know any kind of distraction on the road is dangerous. I mean, even talk, even talking to somebody next to you in the car has has it it, it takes your focus off the road. You know. Yeah, and you know one thing I didn't even really consider is that. I mean, I, I guess, and this might have been, I don't have the complaint right in front of me right this second, unfortunately, but I i don't know what, what do you know whether the driver was holding, and I know they didn't sue the driver, but do you, do you know whether he was holding the phone or it wasn't in like a, one of those mounts on the windshield? I don't know if it said that or not. Let me see if I can find it and I'll answer that question. But of course, Texas doesn't have that hands-free or those phone laws that California does. Yeah, no one follows them here. I don't know why. 10 years later. Well, now, I mean, California just changed this law to make it even stricter, right? And this is with more cars having Bluetooth like built into the car anyway. So this isn't a lawsuit against this individual. It's against Apple. I was just trying to get an idea of, yeah, it, it, it kind of factors into the analysis, I think, but. But see, and, and so why I think that they're really focusing on the design defect is because they talk about that. They go through this whole section about how in fact, it's titled Smartphone Compulsion Slash Addiction. Yeah, and, and And they kind of make the argument that, look, phones are so addicting and everyone's, everyone's so attached to phones that even if you put a warning or whatever, it, that's not enough. You have to design the phone so that it's safe and so that if they get a call or a FaceTime call because it, somehow a FaceTime call that has video interaction is much more distraction, distracting than a phone call, which is, an, yeah. I think, an obvious argument. Yeah. I think that's a fair argument. For sure. That they, they needed to prevent that somehow. We'll link the uh, copy of the complaint because it's very artfully drafted, like you said. But yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially saying, look, these people, uh, so many people don't have the 
you know, the will to, to not use it. They can't even control themselves. So you do need to design something that can control these people, which again, at some point we have to draw the line somewhere, at least to me, it's like, what's, you know, what's a reasonable expectation? What is it? But and I know, I understand that's not necessarily how the law always works. Maybe for, for negligence, sure. But, you know, might be a little bit different here. If you're using FaceTime at all, whether you're holding it in your hand and having it on a mount, I guess it is a subtle difference, but not much of a difference, right? I mean, that's not yeah, that's not the best thing to do. It would be the different if you're using it'd be a difference between using three of your senses versus two if you're <laughs> holding on to it. Like just you yeah. said, yeah, I agree. Phone call or like just a conversation in the car can be dangerous enough. And that's just speaking. Actually, I, I'm wrong. It should be it would be four senses or three because you're speaking uh hearing looking and then holding so i mean <laughs> it's, it's facetime it, I, I just don't even know how someone could even use that first of all i, I don't see someone how someone how can even use that to and then also drive and then two not that this matters but on the other end what's the person is this person just watching him drive i, I don't really get it that's <laughs> getting off track but we always try to throw this out here and like what do we expect to happen? This is a tough one. I mean, I, you know, obviously Apple's got some deep pockets, but yeah, and it, and it's a it's a heavy lawsuit too, right? And most of these things often do end up settling because of the nature of it. Yeah, I mean, Apple doesn't want this going to a jury. That's for sure. Yeah, and and also creating precedents and and all that. So a settlement is definitely the best. So it's just a matter of. You know, what can they get the family down to and what's acceptable, et cetera. But it's important to understand that this is, it's, you know, we're talking about FaceTime app, which is basically all it is is a a Skype, like a video conferencing app, which we talked about. But there's so many other apps out there that have been a issue of controversy or maybe apps that are going to become become them and it, the first one that came to mind was Pokemon Go. Yeah. And and there was someone classically not I don't want to say classically but unfor- unfortunately was killed by when using the app because they were you know what I I've, I've never used it but they were using the app and walking across the street and somehow got struck by a car. And and of course that could happen just by using any app but in spe- you know specifically when it's Pokemon Go that you're immersed in this in your phone mixed with reality and so you're actually navigating and walking around with your phone it's a little bit different but yeah you can apply this to pretty much every app right yeah and you know it wasn't just a one instance there was there was so i'm sure there's probably sites websites even dedicated just dedicated yeah just like all these different you know, you can imagine, I mean, trespassing issues because people would try to, you know, go into people's backyard to catch some Pokemon and things of that nature. And then there's also apps like, for example, the fitness tracking apps. I mean, they have it so that, okay, they recommend you to take a certain number of cups of water per day, wherever they came up with that standard. But point being is that I can definitely see how those kinds of suggestions, especially if it's medically related, can lead to some kind of cause of some, you know, negative result. Of course, the argument is going to say that you need to have some kind of warning. And by the way, when, when we talk about warnings, the warnings can't just be built into this long terms of service. If you are required to have a warning because of some kind of unpredictable, dangerous result, like some warnings can be ridiculous too. And the most classic example I use, because I, when I talk to clients, I go, you know, 
there, there's a standard of when you need to put a warning, and you can always get be very conservative about it. But the, mo- the most ridiculous one I've ever seen was back in the day when we had CDs and DVDs. I had bought a DVD rack, and it it literally said as a warning, with no exaggeration, do not use this rack as a ladder. <laughs> and you have to see it though because it was literally two two feet tall. <laughs> And it was just like, you know, very comical, of course, but you wonder whether the lawyers were really racking their brains or whether it was more of a response to something that actually happened. And and that's what they say. But it would have made more sense if they maybe don't use it as a stepping stool. But then I guess ladder may cover everything. But still, again, it's like, again, is that is there an unpredictable result that you, you know, that you're warning against that somehow you shouldn't be using this de- <laughs> this device as a ladder? And out of all warnings, like you might as well say, don't swallow this or, you know, don't eat or don't throw at people. It, it's like, it's, it's just as obvious, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And so, I mean, obviously with all these, it's when we're talking apps, it's going to depend on, you know, what the app is designed to do and you know how people... The, I guess the foreseeability and how someone might be using it. If it's just, I'm trying to think of a basic app, a calendar, for example. Like the worst case, something someone could use it, I suppose, is using it while driving, for example. But if you have other ones, I think the Pokemon Go is good. Any of the apps that have any sort of navigation or direction or GPS, any, you know, or tracking where you're at, I think that's... That you're likely to use while driving. Yeah, that's that's really when it starts expanding the potential of exposure for liability there. And you really got to think about it and, you know, how how people go about it. I mean, I guess it's, it might not even be the worst idea to... I'm, I'm sure a lot of these do testing, but maybe even kind of throw it out there to the everyday people and, you know... But a, a, a simple evaluation from an attorney... You know, if you have them on retainer or whatever, a simple conversation, thinking about what the risks are of the app. And most of the time, like you said, it's going to be, if it's a simple app, it's, you know, it's going to be obvious and you're not going to need anything. But if you're starting to get, especially if you're getting into an area where the app is unusual and people, and especially if people are going to start using it. And that's usually what happens because for example, Waze, Waze didn't have to, Waze didn't use that warning in the, in the beginning. And I used it years ago. It was just a regular, it didn't even have any kind of warning or term, you know, it's just, you just started using it. But now literally every time you open it, you actually have to go through that process. And so that was a course of learning for them. Yeah. And I'm sure there's good reason behind that. I mean, whether it's the, you know, sometimes it, we could always say be, you know, kind of be proactive about it, but sometimes it is reactionary and not even necessarily your your company, your business, it's could be reactionary based on something else that happens. Like I'm, I'm sure that, I, I mean, I don't know. Do other, what do you, you have? Samsung? Is that right? I have a Samsung Galaxy. You're also driving right now. I'm, I'm taking. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm driving. I'm actually taking off the case because I forgot. Oh yeah, Galaxy S7. <laughs> does that, I, I mean, I've never had. Does it have some similar sort of? FaceTime? You might have Skype on there. I guess. Actually, no, they do. I mean, I I used to use WhatsApp and for video but now if you're calling two samsungs you have the video video app i don't know what they call it it's probably just video oh, okay well yeah i mean my, my point was you know other other companies uh, competitors of apple might have seen this and said well i i guess they don't have the patent either i don't know it's my point was this it's you know sometimes you do see other things that happen and makes you think twice about it and wasn't even your problem to begin with so yeah i'm not giving that as good advice but it's <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta be, you gotta be open and, and think about 
think about things like that. FaceTime is pretty neat if you think about it. Yeah. I just, that's, that's, I just want to say that because <sighs> the, whole, the whole video conferencing on the mobile phone is just awesome. I actually got a face call time today from a friend of mine, but I think it was an accidental call because I don't. Oh, have, that's dangerous. I don't have any idea why he would be FaceTiming me. Was it while you were driving or? I was flying a plane, so it's not the same thing. <laughs> oh, okay, that's not the same. Yeah. I don't think there's any laws against that yeah. in California. <laughs> Planes operate themselves, so. All right, very good. All right, thanks for joining us, everyone. Looking forward to our next episode, which is going to be on the topic of. And then what we'll do is I'll, I won't say anything and we'll just fill it in later. I don't know what the topic's going to be. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up to date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.